Welcome back to the Drum Network podcast, everybody. I'm senior reporter for tech at The Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. If you've ever visited thedrum.com, you'll know that we cover digital advertising fairly regularly, from everything from its privacy aspects to how people are doing it effectively and in ways that actually surprise and delight consumers. But as we mentioned at the very start of this week's podcast, which is all about digital advertising, so much has changed in the past couple of years. And if we look back even 10 or 15 years, the landscape has completely altered. Somebody who was an early practitioner of digital advertising would not be able to recognize the landscape as it stands now. So to discuss all those changes and our hopes for what digital advertising can do in the future, I'm joined by some fantastic guests on this week's deep dive episode of the Drum Network podcast, who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves now. Sure. Hi, uh, I'm Alice Jennifer Moore. I currently live in, live in West London and have for a while. Um, and I work for a company called Foolproof, who's a user-centric um, design agency effectively. But obviously we do a lot of advertising ourselves and we help clients who advertise. I head up their analytics guild, so their analytics practice. Um, and I have a background in kind of data. So reporting how, how the advertising is doing, or um, just kind of looking at, you know, what's happening with the ROI, making sure that there's nothing on the site that's getting in the way of the lovely advertising and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I come at it very much from a data and optimization point of view as opposed to kind of the ad side. That's absolutely Thanks. fine. We are going to be talking about that in depth as well. So, yeah, fantastic <laughs> to have you here. And Jason, who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, I'm Jason, Jason Hartley. I'm the head of search, shopping, and social at PMG, which is a full service agency, uh, born as a performance agency. But, you know, as everything is connected in what we do, um, we've just expanded over the last 11 years or so um, to, to do just about everything. And I'll say if Alice, if you and I work together, we would be best friends. Um, because, uh, <laughs> Understanding the data and everything around it is 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 key to so much of what we do. So um, it's great to be here to talk. Fantastic. And Pascal, me and you would be best friends just while we're doing cliques like that. That's obviously fine. And so, Pascal, could you give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do, please? Uh, hi, guys. Um, yep. So I'm Pascal. I'm the MD of Artifact UK. So we are actually a consulting firm specializing in data science. Um, especially with, I mean, strong uh, capabilities in the marketing field of data science. And yeah, that's about it. Um, oh, yeah, I'm in the office today, so I'm, I'm the one from the office. Nice, fantastic. And last but not least, I'm Chris Sutcliffe. I'm the senior tech reporter for The Drum, and we tend to measure uh, interest in the things that we write about by the number of pitches we get in. And over the past couple of years, that far and away has been advertising and digital advertising in particular has been the most important thing that we have that we write about so to begin with i wonder jason could we start with you digital advertising has come a long way since you first launched this first banner advertisement so how confident are you that in 2022 digital advertising is living up to its potential um i i think you know it's there's a complex answer to that um i i think the fact that people are so interested in it um tells you a lot you know, that you're hearing from it, it's sort of moved from the back pages and, and sort of the trade magazines to the front page of the New York Times. Um, and not always for good things. You know, I, I think that there was, you know, in the beginning, and and I think it's really important to know, like, this is still a pretty young uh, industry. You know, I, I think that those of us who've been in it, you know, I've been in it for 17 years or so and sort of seen it really change a lot. And it feels like I'm a grandfather, but, you know, it really is quite new. And so, and, and you know, the things that we're dealing with we've been dealing with for a few years usually. So, you know, I want to just say that, 
But, you know, I think in certain ways, it's amazing what we've done, you know, what we've been able to do with AI and being able to be more efficient and finding opportunities to connect with consumers who really want to be connected with, um, which I think is really powerful. Um, you see that in search, you see that in social and programmatic has evolved to a, a great deal. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're scratching the surface in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. I think that what we are seeing now is. Now let's hold on for a second and figure out, um, you know, I think the mindset is starting to be, should we do things rather than could we do things mm. a little bit more? I'm hearing more of that conversation and more of thinking about the ethics of what we do and the impact that it might have on consumers as well as advertisers and the practitioners of advertising as well. Because I think a lot of us felt like, well, gosh, I, I would, I'd like to have more privacy in, in my planning. I'd like to have multicultural planning. I'd like to have all of these things, but I'm not really sure how to do it. So I'm seeing a lot of, um, a, a lot of growth there. And, and that's kind of what I'm excited about. And so when we think about potential, it is really checking off a lot of boxes. Um, that said, there are still sites that you go to where you hit pop-ups, you know, yep. and, and these disruptive experiences. And so I think that there's a lot that we can do, especially in the world of creativity. I think that, and creative with a capital C as well. Um, and I don't want to filibuster on this one, but I could talk about this one for hours. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you've teed up so much there that we're going to talk about over the course of the next sort of 35, 40 minutes or so. But Pascal, then before we get into some of the, the more in-depth topics that Jason brought up there, do you think that digital advertising is serving its purpose in actually communicating on behalf of brands or are we still trying to figure this out as Jason mentioned? Yep, no, it's a very good point. So I think what is interesting is uh, the brand element of advertising is something that, you know, obviously is a big part of the budget. When you look at, you know, how much people pay for advertising for brands, it's like a massive part of it. But at the same time, you know, it's one thing that's very, very hard to measure. So, you know, even like the answer to that question, you know, is, you know, even something that people and, and even, you know, us from a data science perspective, you know, we are really struggling to get to. And, you know, MMM surveys that surely are supposed to tell you, you know, how much you are actually making out of your dollar spend in advertising, you know, they fail at actually capturing the brand element of that. So, you know, would we actually, you know, get what we need from the brand or would we communicate the brand properly in advertising? That's something very hard to answer too, because, you know, the data to back it up is 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 not really there at the moment. And, and I think there is a lot of uh, investigation at the moment uh, in trying to put that brand measurement, you know, effectiveness measurement on brand uh, into advertising, especially when we look at you know, building brand over the long run mm. and, and not just relying on TV to do that. Mm. So that's, uh, you know, my answer is, you know, today is very hard to know. And probably the answer is when we don't measure, we probably don't do a good job at it. Well, that's certainly true. And Alistair, I saw you kind of nodding along to some of that. So obviously data has kind of, and the use of data, data gathering, this has all exploded exponentially over the past, what, 10, 15 years, and it's now unrecognizable from what it once was. So to what extent then is, is data underpinning everything? And are we still almost drowning in data or are we aware now of what is possible and what is capable of data when it comes to actually communicating those brand messages? Well, I think there's a couple of points within that. So Drowning in data, possibly. I keep everybody keeps telling me, "Oh, you work in data. That's the that's the new black gold. That's the new oil." <laughs> yeah. um, the thing people always forget is oil only has value after you refine it. Mm. Um, you know, crude oil actually has is is not valuable until you break it into its component parts. And data is the same. You have to refine it down and make sure you're looking at the right things. Now, are companies always doing that? Probably not. You know, we've got people on this call here who are experts in advertising and obviously understand and like the data. But I think for a lot of companies, they struggle because they're still kind of 
working on best practice that might have been best practice six years ago. Now, the tools, the data systems, the, the data storage that's available is just so much better than it was back then. You know, the tools that were designed 15 years ago that people are still using. You know, Google Analytics has been around a while. <laughs> um, it was designed for a time when actually the tech capabilities weren't what they are now. What we have now is much more interesting and much more exciting for what you can do with the data and how you can refine it and the value you can get from it. So no, I don't think we're actually at the point yet where companies are doing that. I think companies are trying to. Mm. I think there's a best practice that has yet to be, you know, spearheaded basically that there are companies doing it and working on it very hard, but it is a, a few on there, but more need to get on there. And it's becoming more accessible every day. The price of some of these tools is coming down quite a lot. Um, you know, you can spin up cloud solutions and other things mm. relatively quickly and relatively cheaply compared to, you know, 10 years ago. So then I suppose to, uh, to stick with you, Alice, the question then is, what is holding back this advertising at the moment? Is it that lack of knowledge around what is possible? Is it over-reliance on what we think of as kind of these tried and true systems instead of what is you know coming down the pipe in terms of what's possible? Where do you think we are reaching roadblocks in terms of actually making the most of the data behind digital advertising? Honestly, I think people find data intimidating. Yep. Um, it shouldn't be. And I think that does hold people back because... Old, you know, the tried and true systems, they're tried and true for a reason. They're, you know, they'll give you what you need to a degree. But actually, when you start telling people, oh, but you might have to go into this other system or you might have to use a SQL or a BigQuery to get the data or, you know, hire somebody who can for your marketers, you know, that's intimidating. And the idea of people going from, I have a report to, oh, I have to actually construct this thing is intimidating. So there's an upskill required for marketers who, you know, they're doing good jobs. They just need more of those skills. But an immense opportunity for people who can understand it and deploy it really well. So then- I think just something that I, that I think a lot about is we when we started in digital marketing, we had almost nothing but tailwinds. We had things that were working in our favor. More people were using more devices for more time, you know, over and over and over. The, the connections got better. When I started, a lot of people were still in dial up. Now you can get connected everywhere. So we've had all of these this more and more and more people doing it. So we could kind of be directionally right and just kind of ride the wave. And I think. So that created this mindset of let's exploit this opportunity. And I think that what we've seen in the last couple of years is you see like CPCs being you know, a struggle for, for Google and Facebook having to deal with iOS 14 things and having less data about their consumers is that we're starting to have to embrace a, a mindset of exploring new things. So we're going from this exploit to explore mindset that is gonna be really key. So I think that you know, to Alice's point, if you're comfortable and it, and you're growing, then that's great. Mm -hmm. If you are comfortable and you start to stagnate a little bit, then then you're sort of forced to adapt that. I think some brands are always going to be ahead of the curve and they're always embracing new things. Um, and some have to be pushed a little bit. So I think there's always going to be this, this alignment of incentives about what you want to do. And um, but ultimately we as as marketers and as communicators of data and all the things that we do. We have to teach the brands that we have and, and lead them and listen and sort of figure out, like, how do we advance this practice? How do we advance this industry um, in ways that are going to reflect the best of what we can do? Um, and that includes the best technology, um, the most ethical way, the, the most inclusive way and so on. Well, Jason, you've just teed up about eight other things there. So what we'll do is I'll, I'll try and uh, <laughs> dig into something in a little bit. But Pascal, before we move on to the next question, I wondered, um, based on what Alice and Jason 
just said there, do you think that there are any sectors, even any individual brands who are doing digital advertising really, really well, that really got to grips with the fundamentals and are delivering upon the promise of digital advertising? Yep, yep. So yeah, on, on that, actually, two two comments probably, you know, like the, the, the first one is, I mean, when you look at the data landscape and why people are not adopting data at scale, I mean, one of the, the main thing is the time element of organization. An organization transform probably needs, you know, like two, three, four years to recruit the right skills, to train the right people, to adopt new processes. And, and the data landscape is changing every every year almost, you know, like Google, you know, other attribution tool, it doesn't have anymore. You know, Analytics was, you know, cookie-based is trying to get away from cookie. It was rather Sinai server side. Like everything is changing so fast that, you mm. know, organization is hard to adapt. And the ones that actually managed to do it, you know, probably, I mean, at least, you know, from the ones that I've seen are probably the technology companies themselves. So if you look at Samsung, for example, you know, very good at it. You know, why? Because their DNA is about, you know, managing data. It's about managing digital. It's, you know, that great. Some of them uh, that are also quite good, but maybe a little bit further down in the journey are all the ones that are like pure players, like, you know, the travel industry, mm. like the likes of, you know, like hotel companies like Hertz, like Accor, like Hertz as well. Like these guys that really have to, you know, face a strong competition online. You know, they had to kind of like go very, very fast in adapting the transformation their organizations to the new landscape. Then you have probably CPG that come, you know, later that, that you know, a bit later in the in, in the journey. And then all the rest, you know, like you, if you look at pharma, you know, obviously heavy industrial uh, companies, all of those like banking as well is quite late in the journey. That's mm. my perception. But, you know, also now I want to call out, you know, that it's only my perception. No, I think that's a really good point. And I like the idea that kind of the, as other industries are kind of following along with those market leaders, they're actually, it's a kind of like a rising tide that floats all boats. And we are learning how to do this more effectively from our peers within the industry. But then to move on then, I wondered, Jason, before you mentioned kind of about privacy, about making sure that consumers are at the heart of uh, all their considerations, how is the industry making sure that we are using data in a way that respects consumers to actually deliver digital advertising that actually means something to them? Are we managing to do that even? Um, I think we could do a lot better job of that. I think even when we are using things as intended, it, it, it's not totally clear how, how accurate the targeting is. Um, I don't think that's a secret. I mean, it's not, and, and how could it be? I mean, I think we, we deal in a complex world. We're dealing with human beings, not data points. And so it, it's hard to say for certain what's happening, but we can, you know, with the advances in measurement that we have, we can, we can sense, or we can measure and make sure that we're, you know, what we're doing is working out for us. Um, but I think that, you know, there, there's some interesting currents going on when it comes to privacy and, and um, you know, obviously there's the legislative angle, which is the slowest and most complex and, and it's very difficult to, um, to police that. Um, so enforcement is, is a real, real challenge. And you see in Europe, they've done, um, that's my dog. <laughs> that's all right. Um, special guest. You know, um, so you have that, but, but I do feel like there is a desire in the industry. When I talk to people and all the tech, the platform partners, my tech partners, they're all, they all want to do this. So I think there's an incentive to do that. Um, but you know, the challenge is going to be is if we are doing something in a new way, a lot of like in retail, you're looking at what we do last year. So you're talking about mm. changing the way you report and the way that you're measuring success and, and, and so on. Um, so there's a, a lot of challenges there. I think we're just scratching the surface about the ways that we're going to be able to do this. But I do think that, you know, at the core of it is that 
all of us need to remember that at the other end of everything we do as a human being, you know, and we have to have empathy for that person. And we have to understand like, what, what would we want to be done with our data? Um, you know, at the core of what is, is happening in Europe is no user should feel like they're surprised to learn how their data is being used. And I think yeah. that's a pretty good bar, you know, and if you have that North star at everything you do and you think about it um, and be realistic about the fact that people are going to find try to find back ways in and all that sort of thing. So you try to come up with the best solution that's going to do, do the most good in, in that that category. But it, it's a tricky situation because we've all we've all been brought up on gathering data and understanding it and can I, and more data is always good. And and um and I think now we're sort of again we're having this moment of introspection and mm. start we're starting to see different solutions that are coming out um, that are sort of addressing that. And I think we're going to have to sort of grope our way toward this and test into it like we love to do. And uh, eventually we'll find some, some viable ways to, to go forward in, in ways that we feel good about and that, you know, we'll get it off, get, get us off the front page for, uh, you know, things that aren't so good and maybe yeah. on the front page for our brilliance. <laughs> well, yeah, we could talk about the kind of the, the public perception of digital advertising and the tech, the data that underpins it for hours and hours and hours. But for now, Alice, do you think then that the conversation has moved on effectively to the point where we are now considering the, the, the realities of consumer data use when we do talk about digital advertising, or is it still a bit of a kind of back burner thing? Um, I think we are, or a lot of good companies are. Mm-hmm. I think there's some that are need to do better, simply put. But I think, yes, um, you don't have much choice when it comes to working in Europe, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I think people do care more because people are aware that certain behaviours and certain kind of the way some adverts might follow you could be deemed a little bit creepy. Mm. Um, so it's, <laughs> you can edit that out if you want to. No, no, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a really good point because so much of the conversation that we have with the, the drums audience is about that perception that ads are following them around. They don't necessarily understand why it's happening. They don't necessarily understand what Facebook pixel is or any, any kind of other tech that underpins this. And yet they see the impacts of it. They see the effects of it. They see these ads and they think, Oh my God, my phone is listening to me. So that opacity is actually creating that, that perception in the public side, maybe. And for a long time, I think that's partly just because people were sort of just doing everything. Um, As Jason said, you know, you could just kind of chase the people, chase the data and, produce more adverts and you'd get more, you know, more return. And that was great. So there wasn't such a worry about how do we make this something that people understand? But now I think there is this concern of how do we make sure people understand this? And companies are trying to do better, as you've mentioned around solutions. There are ways now of kind of understanding effectiveness of advertising without, you know, pulling back on the kind of detailed amount of analytics data that you collect. You can collect minimum data and understand the return on investment. Now, you might not still have that. There are other systems which will look at the advertising and only track information against people who make orders, for example. So you know they've chosen to engage. Um, but I'm not sure if that entirely answers your question. Absolutely, yeah. it does. Uh-huh. Yeah, in fact, it's thrown up about ten other questions. So thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> but I also that- care. Sorry, I was going to say the ethics of uh, kind of data collection and things is a big. Yeah. Word, but it's a big focus of kind of one of my of my concerns as well this year is around making sure there is clarity on what we're doing and that you know our clients know where they should stand with data yeah absolutely um, yeah. And, and so pascal then i know that uh artifact works with a number of absolutely huge clients then so how do you manage to 
balance the need to adhere to kind of those data hygiene rules in Europe with the ability to actually deliver on what clients want? You know, what is the kind of the conversation I suppose you're having with your clients when you're talking about best practice around data use? Well, uh, yeah, this is a very wide topic that I think, you know, it's all even like driving us a little bit beyond advertising. I mean, there are a couple of things within advertising that obviously are like the must have that are usually being set by, let's say, the, the, the tech environment itself. Like, you know, everything around cookie less now, around mm. you know, depression. So actually, you know, the push is more coming from the technology themselves and from the regulation that, you know, you, you need to comply. And that's the first level, you know, like the best practice is first, you know, like just, you know, like compliance from a tech perspective and from uh, and from the you know, privacy as well, you know, that is set by different regulations that are in place. And then there is what you need to do yourself, like proactively, and um, one of the main uh, elements uh, that, you know, in the proactivity is everything around data governance. And data governance now has become a big topic with our organizations. You even have, you know, data, head of data governance people that are being appointed, you know, within, you know, boards of companies. Or, you know, we see that, you know, like kind of role, you know, taking a bit more a prominent role within organizations. That, that's about uh, advertising, but across the whole spectrum, which is about, you know, actually knowing what's happening with your data. Because the big thing is, you know, people, as you know, exactly as Ali said, that, you know, people are afraid. And when they're afraid, they don't even want to know what's happening. They try to hide it. <laughs> and data governance yeah. is there to say, you know, don't hide it. You know, know about it. Know everything that's happening. You know, what each transformation applies to your data. You need to actually have a catalog. You need to be able to, uh, you know, put that somewhere and to to have some, um, let's say, some, some documentation on what's happening, you know, with your data, where it's coming from, what transformation do you do on that. What processing, where is being stored? So all of these things, you know, are being now, uh, let's say, at least, you know, um, uh, documented somewhere. And then the last uh, step of the best practices, once you have documented everything, once you are complying with everything, uh, the last step is to say you need to make it become useful. Mm. You know, if you are collecting a lot, if you are, you know, getting a lot of data, do a lot with that. And as if, you know, like to take, I mean, to jump back on what Alice was saying about oil and refining the oil. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a car or if, you know, like your, your car, you know, you want to make it electric or whatever, you know, like you need to understand, you know, why you are doing that and, and what is the purpose that you want to serve at the end. And advertising should become a bit more of us. I mean, and a lot of brands are actually looking at it this way, a service more than, you know, just a push of an information. And, and this is uh, something that, you know, like then goes around, you know, understanding a bit more, you know, who your customers are and then personalizing all these bits, you know, we know of. But I think often, you know, data is just looked at, you know, being the pipeline until you do what and you do nothing with it. And I think, you know, like doing something with it becomes a little bit of a proportion that you need to make sure of when you are collecting a lot that you are proportionally, you know, doing something that is representing a value for the customers at the end. Nice. And thank you both so much for actually giving me an oil metaphor that I can use when I write the article up on this. So thank you so much. For yeah, that. we should we should maybe turn it to green, right? That would be good. Sure, yeah. wanna... <laughs> so uh, before we before we go into some of the kind of the more specific questions I want to ask, I wondered the perception is still that a lot of the digital advertising space in terms of players within it and the kind of the tech providers, everything is that it's opaque and bloated. And that's been true for years and years and years. Do you think that we're getting any closer to actually having a bit of a streamlined um, ecosystem that actually delivers value to the people who truly deserve that value? I don't know who wants to take that first. I'm going to throw it to you, right, Jason. I'll, I'll step into it. Um, so I, I think that 
what I hear from the partners that I work with, and again, so all, all the major platforms and technology partners and smaller ones as well, who are sort of figuring out sort of gap technology, that things that haven't been figured out by the, by the big guys. Um, I, I hear good things, you know, I, I hear a move toward what, you, you know, an end toward of what you're talking about, but I think that there is a limit to it. I mean, mm. one of the things that is a problem that I think that is going to be difficult to solve is that a lot of the players don't really collaborate or cooperate with each mm. other. And so it's kind of difficult to, you know, you, you, we're creating this situation where we have lots of individual ecosystems and you might be able to get some transparency into that, but how they work together is sort of up to us and they don't play well with each other. So, you know, so that goes with privacy, but it just goes, it goes with, with everything. So there, there, there are challenges there, you know, and so opacity, I don't think that you have the sort of opacity that you had like in the early days of programmatic where you, you know, it was, pretty easy to do things that were like, well, I'm going to optimize your account and all you're doing is changing your margin, you know, like yeah. things like that, you know, and that's a long time ago. And like, like I just to be clear, like I, I really like programmatic. I love the way that it's evolved and I am interested in the future because I think, you know, at its core, it's very similar to search, which is my first love. Um, but at any rate, um, um, so I think that when we talk about the, the sort of the, the opacity, it's more like, um, you know, Google saying, well, I want you to optimize as an ecosystem, not so much mm. as a channel. And so, like, we're starting to get these things that are mixed together. And I think that ultimately that's probably good for connecting with consumers, but it's going to create this gap. Um, it's a little bit like when you come back in from space and there's a communication gap, you know, and you're on your way, like you can't talk to them for a while. And that's, we, we had this gap and we're going to, on the other end of it, I think with the push and pull that we'll have as advertisers and, and um, analytics specialists and so on, we will be asking for more transparency and mm. we're going to figure out a balance where it feels like we're in control of our fate. We're getting enough data so that we can learn about what's happening with consumers because, you know, the things that we learn as digital marketers, it applies to the world as well. And we want to be able to use those things so that we can have better creative. Like I want to make beautiful billboards because of what we know in our search data, yeah. you know, and if we can't do that, um, then, then we're missing something. So I think there'll be that push pull, um, and we'll continue to see that, but I think the the nature of the opacity is is sort of changed. Um, and but I am I feel pretty good about some of the things that are more nefarious practices. And now it's more like okay, who 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 should own this and and what and how much should we see and how much shouldn't we see and that sort of thing. So nice. I think that that's that's going to be the future. That is really good. And thank you for making me watch uh, Apollo 13 again this evening. That's that's great. And so, Alice, to what extent then is, you know, Jason mentioned transparency there. To what extent now is the entire, I suppose, pipeline around digital advertising and particularly data use transparent? And whether, you know, is that by necessity because it's been forced on us by legislation? And how much of that is because of kind of the commercial imperatives of making sure that we do have as trans transparent a pipeline as we possibly can? I think it's a bit of both um, in that there are, Obviously, you go to any website in the EU, you should be able to find a cookie policy and a privacy policy that tells you all about their advertising and how that's used. Um, but there is this uh, transparency necessary to understand what's going on as well. Mm. Um, previously, you could have a tool. I'm going to use GA as an example again. I'm very sorry. Uh, where it kind of, you could basically track all of your marketing and it would all go in there and you could see it all in one place. And while you can probably design systems that do that still, and there are some tools that will do it for sort of a price, a lot of it, it's going to live in a lot of different places and it's going to continue to do so. You know, we're seeing a rise of different kinds of tools, which are all about bringing data together. Mm. 
So actually there's going to be a level of transparency necessary in order to bring that data together, in order to analyze it and understand what's going on in your ecosystem. Um, and as well, there is also the ethics side that it's beneficial for us to be transparent with what we're doing, because if we're not, somebody will make us be even more transparent. Uh, yeah, it, it will be forced uh, to be if we're not. Sadly, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, good companies will already want to do that. But we do, you know, I've worked with plenty of people and plenty of clients who struggle because different areas of the business have different versions of ROI and different understandings. So it's not always been transparent, even within the same company, but in order for companies to move forward and to do better advertising and better other kinds of marketing with it, there does need to be more transparency. Yeah, 100%. And exactly as you mentioned, how if we can't even get our own houses in order, how are we supposed to kind of be as transparent as we possibly can in the wider ecosystem? So Pascal then, in terms of transparency, from what from what you've seen, are we by necessity at a place now where transparency is a given that we need to be as transparent as we possibly can, or is there still a bit of a perverse disincentive to almost cloak what we do in a little bit of secrecy? Yeah, so uh, I mean, there are probably two two sides uh, for for transparency. One is with the you know the end customer, let's say you know like the one who is exposed to to the ad, which is what uh, Alice was mentioning, and then there is something which is. You know, for the advertiser himself, you know, on costs, on where the money is spent, how the money is being spent, etc. And what we see is we see uh, an increase in transparency for the customer, which is then very good, right? Because then he, need, he, he could actually understand why he's been proposed this ad that is a little bit personalized and so on and so forth. And that comes from the advertiser giving even more transparency there. Where we are not very good in terms of transparency, and that's only, you know, my own opinion there, is you know what's happening in the media platforms. You know when mm -hmm. you look at you know like search and, and Jason could probably comment more than me myself. But a lot of evolutions now is you know to turn Google a bit more the black box kind of thing where the bid is not something that you decide but you leave you know Google optimized you know where the white bid should be there, uh, where the white attribution should be there. Right, you know so th there's a little bit of of of, um, of black box and and Facebook is also turning a bit that way where the control is a little bit more taken away from the hands of the advertiser and giving a bit more to the hands of the platform themselves, which will make the decision based on algorithms. And data is both great, you know, because like the more data you have, the more you can understand what's happening. But at the same time, algorithms that then, you know, compute that data and, and give you the results, you know, are not always explainable. Mm. And I think there's a whole thing. And, and what I wanted to come to is there's a whole initiative now of transparent AI and ethics in AI to understand what the algorithm is actually doing. You know, having AI doing something doesn't mean it's actually fair, it's non-biased, etc. No, it could be biased. It could be biased towards someone instead of someone else, but because it's, it's black box and it's AI, we kind of think, well, you know, it's machine behind, that's fair. Well, it's not, you know? And I think now with tech, becoming crazy about those things on, on AI everywhere, I think there is a risk of losing transparency big time there. Absolutely. And in fact, before we started the podcast, I was looking through kind of everyone's websites and I was looking at kind of the AI uh, options that you have on the site. And I was, I'm fascinated by that. We're going to have to do a whole separate podcast to just about AI, I think. But do Jason or Alice, do you want to kind of follow on from what Pascal was saying there about kind of the, the media platforms themselves and where they fit into that ecosystem? Sure. Um, I'll jump into that. I, so I think a lot of good points and, and definitely the AI part, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think there's a problem when it's only the machines that are learning, you know, I mean, if we, if we're not gathering insights from what's happening, then, then we've missed an opportunity. Um, 
But I, I will say that, and again, this is sort of that push pull that I've talked about, but I'm hearing a lot more about, you know, how can we co- collaborate and make this work together? Um, but also, and that can mean like, more transparent with insights, but it also means more integration into the algorithm itself, you know, so you can take, you can enhance the data within the algorithm to get results that reflect sort of your own personal priorities, right? So, you know, every brand has a differentiation. Um, and that may just be that it has data that nobody else has, which is their own data, right? So they understand, okay, I, I have too many white shirts in my in my warehouse or whatever it is, and that is an advantage in the auction. But if you can't get that information into the auction, then you can't do anything with that advantage. So it's becoming easier and easier to bring in sort of these sort of unique insights or data points or whatever it may be, and then sort of entwine that into the algorithm and weight that into the algorithm so that you can get, you know, so you can bid that in a way that reflects reality mm. um, and, and the reality of your the advertiser. Because Google and Facebook, they've really done an amazing job. I think, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. I went from purely manual to very skeptical to very, uh, you know, limited use of automation to, okay, I, I buy it to, you know, okay, it's great 340 days out of the year, but there, but some of the higher volume days, we can't do it. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And to, to really embrace it because I've seen good results over and over again, but it doesn't mean that we're passively doing this. It's an active management of these algorithms. And there's not just one choice too. So it's more of a strategic use of algorithms. So, you know, it it feels passive and sort of like I said it and forget it, but it it really, it really isn't. So, um, and I, and I think that, you know, my, my partners don't discourage that, you know, there is a certain amount of like, this has to be a person and a machine working together. And they, they, you know, the, the, the saying is, a person and a machine will be better than a person or a machine every time. And I think like that's that's sort of the mentality that we take. Um, and so I'm excited about the future of automation as long as we continue to be able to have as much transparency as possible and some autonomy or some, you know, or agency within the algorithm to be able to shape outcomes that reflect what's outside of the auction, you know, otherwise known as the real world. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And so, Alice, do you have anything before we move on to our final question to add to kind of Jason's point about, you know, human and machine working in tandem rather than just being purely kind of automated algorithmic data data use? I mean, absolutely. Um, when I'm talking about the platforms that bringing data together, places like Facebook and things would also try to be part of that if you can do that. Um, so it's kind of important, but it's important that those data cells are basically curated by human beings and looked at from a statistical point of view there's this thing called overfitting Mm. where you overfit the data and you have too many parameters and basically it ends up with a really bad prediction of what's going to happen because it looks like it works incredibly well but doesn't in the end and that's a genuine danger with some of these algorithms because there's so little known about them Mm. that you can they could release something live that looks like it's going to do really well but actually what you've done is create something and the machine's created something because it doesn't have that intuition that a person has and it, you end up with quite a bad outcome as a direct result. <laughs> now, it's, you know, it's fun. These, these algorithms, I think, are probably more basic than we think they are. And I suspect that's one of the reasons they've moved them into a black box is because yeah. actually they've, they've simplified. They haven't actually made them more complex they've simplified them down. And if you knew it was that simple, you probably would be less inclined to spend money, or at least that's how it 
seems. Yeah. Like, does this person have a pet? Yes. Does she like horses? <laughs> yes. She must own a horse. I don't own a horse. I I just like having horse adverts on my Facebook. Page. <laughs> um, but it it's it's it feels that way. It almost feels like the black box algorithms are not. They're nothing special. Mm. It's it's interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see that it play out. I love that idea because I, you know, one of the, one of the things, you know, as information became a thing and turned into bits and stuff, what, what the question was is how much information can we send or how much do we need to send to actually transmit a message? And they realized, well, if I know one thing, then I know 10 things, right? So they don't have to transmit the other nine things. And I think that what we're seeing is we've been gathering all this data and what's actually important is probably a sliver of that. And, you know, just by knowing someone has a, has a dog, we know 50 things about them, you know, so let's not go gather those 50 things. Let's just act on the dog information. Um, so I, I, I like the idea of it becoming more simple um, without her knowing it, actually. Nice. Well, I mean, that's that's a somewhat optimistic way to kind of end that part of the discussion. So that's fantastic. Um, and then there's a very final question, because I want to keep in as much as we possibly can from this while also keeping it down to a sort of commutable listener level. Um, what are you all most excited about when it comes to the future of digital advertising? Is it new opportunities? Is it a refinement of existing processes? Is it new tech? Pascal, what are you most excited about when it comes to digital advertising? Well, uh, yeah, it's a difficult question. Huh? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big one, for one. sure. What I would say, yeah, what, what I would say is what I really like about digital advertising now is it has gone really like from the madman to the madman that, <laughs> you know, it has become a little bit of a world also for people that are very rational that you know love science that love you know like where you know like you get like before you when you look at the, the, the you know where you put a lot of intelligence you know like human intelligence you would put a lot of you know intelligence in health a lot of intelligence in logistics and you know now you know actually advertising is becoming a world for people that are you're going to put a lot of you know intelligence to what they, what they are doing and and that comes through you know, the, the AI and data science elements, you know, that is very exciting. And, and you get a lot of like new things. For example, just one example on that is like how now causality is becoming a big topic, you know, mm-hmm. in advertising, because you need to understand what is direct indirect effect of one channel over the other. And, and all these elements, you know, are actually causality is not something that is very advanced, you know, in the other fields. And now within marketing, you know, causality is actually doing some great progress. So I, I really see advertising now leading the way in very scientific areas, which is very exciting. No, absolutely it is. And Jason, what would you say is the most exciting part about kind of the, the advertising industry, digital advertising industry for you right at the moment and into the future? Well, I, I probably telegraphed it through the conversation, but it's really about putting people at the center of the experience. And I think like so much good flows from that. Um, and by good, I mean ethically good, but also performance, because I think as you start to think about the human experience, um, you're, you're more likely to provide them with, you know, content, uh, advertising products, whatever it is that that is going to enrich their life somehow. And that may mean as simple as better peanut butter, or it may mean like the kind of feeling that you get when you think about like uh, a Nike ad and, and you're, you're, you know, and you feel like this is uplifting in, in your spirit. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's, there's such a, a range of things that you can do when you have the, the people in the center. Um, so I think that's what I'm going to go with. I think my, my, the thing I'm most excited about in the future is people. Nice. Fantastic. And Alison, apart from horse advertisements following you around the internet, what would you say is the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to? Honestly, my whole career, we've had this holy grail of single customer view. Mm. 
And I don't think we're very far from it now. Um, in all honesty, there are systems out there now that will provide that. And you can build that with all the various tech platforms that have developed over the last five years or so. And actually that will that will revolutionize marketing because you'll be able to have a better view of actually what is driving the customer engagement. Um, you'll have a better idea of offline, online, those things. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of been a holy grail where people have been trying for the last 12, 15 years to get this single customer view, maybe longer, but I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's that it does feel like that. There are platforms that will do that and you can combine them. You know, you can have server-side analytics and still get your marketing information through and then connect it back to your customer database and really build this stuff up. Um, I'm not going to talk attribution because that's kind of a different thing, but just understanding what's driving all of those engagements, that would be that would be really nice. That's a, that's a huge game changer, and I know that I'll set a reminder to uh, to check in again in a couple of months and see if we if we're there yet. But for now, Jason, Alice, Pascal, thank you so much for taking the time to take us on this whirlwind tour through digital advertising, its past, its present, and its future. Uh, I wondered, as a very final question, then, if anybody wants to get in contact with you about anything we've spoken about today or find out more about your organisations, where's the best place for them to reach out to you, at? Jason? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the straight straightest line uh, to get to me. And I would love to hear from you. I think, you know, one of the things, one of my pet causes is trying to make the industry better and, and our talking to each other makes it better. Um, and so I was thrilled to be here and, and truly if, if for some reason you found me interesting, <laughs> go ahead and reach out through LinkedIn. I'll answer. I promise. That's so self-effacing and Pascal, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Well, I think LinkedIn as well is a great place. I mean, we have also a company website where, you know, that's where I straight in my inbox as well, you know, the contact email. So, you know, feel free to use that one too. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you know, we have an address in London. So if you ever are in London, you will help to have you over as well. Nice. Fantastic. I'm sure people will take you up on that. And finally, Alice, where's the best place for people to reach you? Uh, there's a couple of ways. LinkedIn, so Alice Jennifer Moore on LinkedIn, because there's a lot of Alice Moores out there. <laughs> um, but also, you can reach me through the agency I work at, which is Foolproof. Um, so we have a few offices, but there is one in London. So yeah, if you look for foolproof.co.uk, you can find me through there. Um, just contact anybody and say you want to talk about talk to Alice, who does data. Nice. Find me. That's that's a, that'd be a great Twitter handle as well. But for now then, uh, thank you so much to Jason, Alice and Pascal. And for everybody listening at home, please do remember you can head across to thedrum.com at any time to read all about digital advertising and the rest of our content. So for now, thank you so much again, and please do come back next week. <laughs>